You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real pain. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to stream. You can also visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more info about PCLB and visit our event tab to see what's going on this month. Lastly, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at PC Las Vegas. Thank you again and enjoy the message. Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Good? Amen. Good. I'm so glad to, to, to be here this evening. It seems like I've been kind of hitting and missing. I, I, um, I've been working on something uh, pretty important, and uh, I, uh, it's due next week. So I have literally been locked up in our guest room for weeks. <laughs> I go to work, I get home, and, uh, and I do that. And so I'm a little stir-crazy right now, and so I'm at the very end of it. And so as, as, as we all know, sometimes when we have those difficult things in our lives, it seems like the, the closer we get to being completed with that thing, the harder it gets, amen? And so it is harder right now. Um, but I remember uh, where I was when I first moved here. And so I'm just grateful to God because uh, the Lord did not have to give me this opportunity that he's given me. Um, and now that I'm coming to the end, I'm just grateful that it's almost over. Amen. I don't have anything real deep or spiritual to say tonight because I'm just holding it together like y'all. Amen. <laughs> Some folks in here that look like me, they look like tired. And yes, I am tired, but God is still able. Amen. And so I'm going to do my best to bring a word, and I believe God has a word tonight. I just want to give honor to God who is the author and finisher of my faith. I want to give honor to my pastors, uh, Pastor Art and Pastor Maria. Let's give God some praise for them this evening. Amen. You know, you know, I, you know, I do that often because you know sometimes when you're going through, it's funny. Like I don't tell. Like I, I sometimes I wear it when I'm going through, but I think that I'm not wearing it. Uh, and so what'll happen is, is I'll come and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? And and a pastor will be like, You all right, brother? I'm like, Yeah, of course. He's like, All right. They say, you know, a lot of, two hours later, I'll have something like, brother, I'm praying for you. I'm like, man, how did he know? You know? But that's, that's leadership, you know, good leadership. And so um, when, you're, when you're dialed into a ministry and, and they are, uh, your leaders are, are really uh, trying to uh, get the ear of God, amen, um, they, will go to, they will go to the fire for you, amen. And so sometimes we need people that will just stand in the gap for us. Sometimes we don't have it all the time, amen. Amen. You know, you know, just because I'm standing here doesn't mean I have it all the time. Amen. But it's good to have leadership that will come and, and stand in the gap for you. So, uh, you know, I'm just grateful to them. Um, I'm grateful uh, that I'm able to be here tonight, of course, and, and just to be around all of you. My wife is at work. Pray for her. We're all kind of busy. Um, and I was, I was teasing with Edith and them. I said, she's so gentle now. Boy, you should have seen her an hour and a half earlier. My God. I said, what in the devil? I mean, like, it's like between 5.30 and 7, she said, all right, Daddy, nobody's around. I'm getting ready to go to work on you. You know, and, and my God, did she ever. Now look at him. Oh, now you're playing now, right? As soon as I get home, you're going to start that, ah! Right? <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Like, good God! That's what she does, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's crazy, too, you know, um, because, you know, I'm... You know, I'm an only child, so I'm, I'm learning on the go, amen. You know, just because I have this, uh, our beautiful daughter, doesn't mean I know everything about children, because I really don't. Um, so I'm learning as I go, and uh, it is a learning experience. Um, I can say that. And so pray for me as I'm, as I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pray for me, because it's not about me anymore. You know, it's funny, like, I, I'll be in the back working on my proposal, and, uh, and I'll hear her go, you know, make that, ah. You know, in about 30 seconds in or a minute, it's pretty obvious that my wife's not getting up. What she's saying in that moment is, hey, brother, you need to get up and go handle that. And so I do, you know, and so, 
But just looking at her face when I get home, you know, it makes it all worth it. So uh, I'm grateful to, to have them in my life. Amen. Um, I, I just want to talk tonight uh, briefly um, about something that has been on my heart. And I will tell you that um, uh, Pastor Maria actually uh, inspired me uh, when she said something in worship. Um, and it's talking about dreaming. Amen. Um, many times when we are going through the, the cares of life, um, we begin to defer our dreams for whatever reason. Uh, sometimes it's just life happening on life's terms, uh, or sometimes something tragic or, or, or you know, something un, unexpected happens in our lives. But um, the one thing that I know that, uh, that has gotten me here is the grace of God, but also um, because I truly try to be a dreamer, amen? And so I want to talk about that because I know that God is challenging me in that, in that mode right now to continue to dream. Sometimes when we go through so much, um, all we can think of is what's in front of us, amen? We don't always, uh, we don't always want to look um, and look ahead and say, you know what? I know that God has spoke this to my spirit. All we can see is what's going on right now. Um, but I want to remind everyone tonight, and I just want to uh, I just want to drop something in your spirit that it's okay to dream, um, because oftentimes when we are dreaming, God is speaking to that dream to us, amen? And so I want to encourage us tonight, because I discern that there are some people in here tonight that are struggling, um, but I come here tonight to just tell you, even myself, as I'm struggling, uh, that we have to continue to dream, and so I want to speak on that, and, and I know that that's something that I, I desperately need to hold on to sometimes, Amen. Amen. So the scripture that we're going to come out of tonight is Genesis 37, 5 through 11. That's Genesis 37, 5 through 11. And when you get there, say amen. That's Genesis 37, 5 through 11. God is good, church. Regardless of what we go through, God is good. Amen. Genesis 37, 5 through 11. Now, you going to give me some latitude, little girl? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Amen. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Somebody say they were haters. <laughs> he said to them, listen to this dream I had. Uh, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaves rose and stood upright. While your sheaves around mine bound to it. Wow, that was bold, wasn't it? His said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Wow, that's something else, isn't it? <laughs> and when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? He's almost speaking rhetorically to Joseph, amen? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you tonight for the people that you have here assembled for your glory and honor. Lord, keep us as we are going through, as we are on the the valleys and peaks of life, Lord, you are in control. You love us. You are kind. You are merciful. You are gentle. We need you to step in like never before. You, we need you to just give us the strength to carry on every day, Lord. You love us. You have a plan designed for us that we cannot see, and thank God for that. Lord, I am nothing more than a man. I ask that you would remove me because I'm nothing more than flesh. Say what you have to say through me, and God, let me be seated. And we thank you. We bless you. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Give God some praise tonight, church, amen, hallelujah. I just want to use for a thought, church. You do me a favor, protect your dream. You got to protect your dream, amen. You know, the one thing I'm understanding, Praise Chapel, is that we live in a society today uh, that is full of dream killers. Can we all agree with that? Uh, part of maturing or what I'm learning about maturing in God is understanding that if we are going to walk in the fullness of God and all he has for us in our lives, there is going to be some opposition when it comes to our dreams. Can we agree? Amen. 
And early on, we often experience what it means to see our dreams murdered. Seems like it's almost strategic, amen? Perhaps some of us wanted to become a doctor or lawyer or banker or engineer, but someone spoke death into that dream by placing doubt in our abilities. Uh, You wanted to be an astronaut and see the stars and the moon and see out millions and millions of miles into the universe, but someone shot your dream back down to earth. Yeah, see, uh, and I believe, and this is just me speaking tonight, I believe that most of us, amen, have experienced this very thing so much so in our life uh, that now we no longer believe that our dreams are attainable. We think they're far away, church. And one of the greatest tragedies, I want you to get this tonight, one of the greatest tragedies of a broken person is that they no longer believe that God understands or desires to make their dreams come true. Show me a broken person, and I'll show you broken dreams. Yeah. And what you have to understand, people, and people around us seem to make it worse. The people that say that they love us make it worse. It really doesn't matter how close a person is. They can even be family. What you have to understand is that oftentimes the ones closest to us are the deadliest of assassins when it comes to our dreams. Yeah, see, and what I've learned, Praise Chapel, is this, is that our dream killer is in the form of our best friend, our uncle, our brothers, our sisters. Uh, And it's not that they're necessarily trying to hurt us per se, They are merely doing what was done to them. Amen? You see, it's a vicious cycle when you really sit back and think about it. And that's this. When it comes to sharing our dreams, best believe Satan is well aware of this. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, church. Yeah, see? But I have some good news for you tonight. This is what you need to understand. God wants to bless us. Get this. He wants to bless us. And give us more than what we could ever ask or think of. Do you believe that, church? Come on, give God some praise. What you have to understand, and guess what? He wants to use our dreams as a method to connect you with purpose. But I have a question tonight. Just a small question. Are we willing to protect our dreams? Are we willing to protect our dreams? Or are are we just going to continue to allow the enemy of our soul? to strip us of our destiny. Yeah. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you ought to shout glory tonight, church. You got to hold on to something sometimes when you're going through. And see, this is what you need to look at when you look at the text. When we arrive at the text, we see that Joseph had a dream. Early on, he says, Joseph had a dream. Joseph was favored by his father, Israel, so much that it caused dissension amongst the brotherhood. Joseph's father gave him a a robe, and and to give someone a robe was something of great value because a robe could be used for so many things uh, during that particular time. You could wear it for warmth. You could use it to carry around children. You could carry your own goods. You could do so many things. It was like one of those little skis on. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it was like, amen? There was something unique about Joseph, and his brothers were struggling to accept it. So here comes Joseph, right? Here he comes. The text says in Genesis 37, 6 and 7, listen to this dream I had. This is what Joseph is saying. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Ah, that's bold, isn't it? It's kind of speaking arrogantly a little bit, doesn't it sound? Can you imagine you at work and, and somebody got all their work done? Like, I got all my work done. What you doing? And you're in the weeds and you're doing other people's work? And somebody's coming around Okay, yeah. Do, do, you, do you say bless you or do you, you say you and another? Okay, never mind. Okay, now check this out. They were buying these sheaves of grain. Now this little guy who is Joseph came to where his brothers were working. He sought them out. Now they're busy, but he sought them out. They already weren't feeling him like that. They weren't. And here he comes talking to them about his dream. This is how he comes up like, now obviously I'm just imagining that, right? Joseph, who is favored by his father, attempts to share his dream with his... They shut him down quickly because of the day of the dream. Joseph is talking about ruling over them. You ever had somebody that wants to rule over you? And they not God? Okay. <laughs> Church, get this. The first thing we need to understand is this. 
is that our favor and our dreams are often a threat to other people. Our dreams are often a threat to other people. Now, I'm going to say that it seemed like Joseph had a little bit of bragging in him. He was a little braggadocious, you know. It's almost like, you know, a little brother like tagging at the, at the, at the, at the garment or somebody like, hey, hey, you know, you know, God spoke to me about this, that, and the other. And you, you working, sweating. You haven't eaten nothing. You ain't drank nothing. And here comes this little guy. He just comes up. Now, he's already like the baby of the family, and everybody loves him, and he's never in trouble. Can you, you ever had a relative like that? They're so spoiled, and it seemed like everything they do, like your grandmother and mother say, oh, they're just young. They're just kids. And you want to get them in the back and choke the life out of them, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had a couple of relatives like that. I had a, let me tell you something, I had a cousin uh, that, that lived, we never saw each other, but like we would see each other on holidays, and, and every time we would get like on the way there, like it seemed like my mother had to remind me a thousand times about what Terry did. Terry did this. Terry did this. Don't you know Terry's doing well academically? I'm thinking like, yeah, but Terry didn't make the basketball team. I did, so what's up? You know, <laughs> I just beat Terry in a race, amen? <laughs> yeah, we cool now, but you know when you, but when you have, when, you know, oftentimes people will challenge you in that. And see, I'm going to say that it seemed like he was bragging, but Joseph was disliked by his brothers because of the dream, but I am certain, church, that they got rid of him because they saw greatness in him. I'm convinced of that. You know, that happens sometimes. Church, let's be honest this evening. There, are, there have been times when we are in the presence of greatness, and maybe, just maybe, we feel a tad bit inadequate about that thing. Come on, somebody. Joseph was a little arrogant. We can all agree with that, amen? But no doubt he was anointed. Come on. He was anointed. God anointed him. He had favor from his father. Do you have favor from, favor from your father? Let me tell you something. When people know that, that you have favor from your father, they don't like that. You know, somebody, an old saint years ago told me something that was really profound. He said, let me tell you something, baby. Favor ain't fair. Favor is better than money. And they ain't never lied, man. <laughs> they ain't never lied about that thing. Because let me tell you something. You can have all the money in the world, but that don't mean you have favor. Because, see, when you get sick in your body, that money can't heal that thing. But the favor from the Lord can. Come on, church. <laughs> yeah, see, and I believe that the problem with our society is that when people begin, amen, to share their dreams, others can become a little intimidated. Can we agree? You know, the funny thing about the anointing is this. We rarely see it on our own lives, but my God, doesn't it seem like others can see it on us when we can't see it on ourselves? <laughs> I'm telling you, there's some times I came in here jacked up. Somebody like, brother, you, you preached all right. I'm like, did I? <laughs> like, my God, I don't, I'm not feeling it. And I can tell you tonight is one of those nights I'm just hanging on like everybody else. But we have to walk in favor. I'm not saying that I've got so much favor. I'm just, I'm just saved by grace. And that's We're all saved by grace, church. Amen. In my experience, and this is just me, in my experience, the more God uses some people, the more uneasy people can become. Is that one of us tonight, church? You see, we often believe that people dislike us for no reason, but see, that's really not the case. I am a firm believer, and I am convinced that it is not us per se. Sometimes it is the anointing that is on our lives that we cannot see. And can I give some new converts a word of advice tonight? If you're a new convert in here, be careful who you share your dream with when it comes to the ministry. I know I got that from the Lord. I speak from experience. Be careful who you share your dream with when it comes to ministry. Believe it or not, there are some people sitting in churches around the world that do not want to see us get to our destiny. They have been sent there. Don't you know that our leadership has gone through that? They've gone through that. If they go through it, what, do you, what makes you think you won't go through it? That's why you got to be careful what you say to people. 
And usually it's because of two reasons. I want you to get these two things. First, the anointing is lifted off their life and they've missed it. And the second thing is they're afraid that you're going to surpass them. Now let me get this, and I want, I want you to understand this. Now let me talk about the second one for a moment. Church, ministry isn't a race. That's not what ministry is all about. But I believe there are levels to this thing. Can we agree? There are some levels to this thing. There are some people that are called to be pillars in the ministry, that are called to not move and just to serve and to be accountable to leadership and to stay there all the days of their life so that they can edify the kingdom from where they're at. And then there are some people that are called to the nations to do signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, it's really all one and the same because it's about Jesus Christ. But we as people sometimes, we can be so, become so carnal-minded, amen, uh, that we think that one person is doing something greater than what we are doing. But that's the trick of the enemy. Can I tell you something? That's the trick. Don't you know there are people that are highly anointed and they're cleaning buildings and they speak life into Fortune 500 companies and the CEOs and you'll never see them. There are people that, that work in the school district, and God has placed them there so that they could pray over that school because something could happen at that school, but God has placed them there to stand in the gap. Don't you understand that it's not about you, but it's about what God wants to do through you, church? That's what it is really all about. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. Now, at the end of the day, it's all about God, but the point is to glorify him and him alone. Wouldn't you agree? We have to glorify him, amen? Yet somehow we look at others' callings instead of our own. I know I've been guilty of that. When I first got saved, there were some people that, that, that came through the church and they, they preached like powerhouses. And I'm like, Lord God, like, I, I, can, I can barely put two scriptures together. God finally had to let me know, that's your problem. You worried about everybody else, you need to worry about yourself, amen? said, I can't use you until you recognize it's not about you. You don't know what they go through. See, that's the thing. Everybody wants that level, right? Then they get on that level and they're not really ready for it. You don't see some of the stuff that those people go through. Some of the people that you see on TV, you know what they say, new level, new devil? Oh, that's very true, amen? Ask some, ask some preachers that you see that, that, have, that have 25 and 35,000 members. Some of the, uh, the, the, what's the preacher's name in, uh, Hillsong is Houston's, is that their name, or I can't think, what, yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah, they, I mean, they, they have a, a really large ministry, but you don't know what they go through there, you don't know what they've been through, you know, I remember I lived down in South Florida for a while, and I was at a Assemblies of God church, a, you know, Holiness Church, uh, while I was down there for the summer, and I would go there, and they would have prayer on Wednesdays, and, and this ministry was huge, and I mean, it was a beautiful ministry, sprawling, but don't you know the pastor's son was dying of cancer? Don't you think he wouldn't give all of that back for his son to be whole again? New level, new devil. Come on, church. Let me tell you something. No doubt we have some people sitting in here right now, here at Praise Chapel, in here right now that are called to do unbelievable things. There's no doubt in my mind. But make no mistake, church, when you share that dream or vision, Know that someone may become indifferent to your revelation. Someone may become indifferent and not necessarily come into agreement what God has spoken to you through dreams and visions. You know, <laughs> I use this analogy as best I can. When I was about to move to the Philippines, the Lord started giving me dreams that I was going to move there. And uh, he started speaking to me in visions. And I remember I shared it with one of my friends. And let me tell you something. They're not saved, but I just said, you know, I don't know why I decided to share that. But, I mean, they spoke so much death into that thing. And when they hung up the phone, God said, don't ever share your dream with that person again. They are not your friend. Stop talking to them after that. We have to remove ourselves from people sometimes. And God gives us warnings all the time. You know, when these type of things happen, you know. But I ended up moving there, and God ended up still using me. But how many people have been, have been sidetracked because something that was spoken over their lives? The Bible declares that there is power and life and death in the tongue. 
That's what it says. Don't you know that there are things that have, that have been spoken into children's lives early on to try to destroy them? That happens. And you know, I don't even know why God has taken me this way, but oftentimes the enemy wants to start early with children. He wants to de delay the destinies of young people. There are some youth that have come through that used to come here that aren't here right now, but I'm telling you, God is going to get a hold of them. Because it's time out. As you, as you have already seen, as all of us have already seen out there that what's going on right now, it's getting worse, isn't it? We keep, I, it seems like every time I, that I, that I get an opportunity to come and minister, there's a new tragedy that's going on. It's getting worse, y'all. I mean, it's, it's, it, and it's happening faster than what we ever thought. Did any of us ever think that we would go from what happened here to somebody walking up in a church? And you know what's so crazy? We are so desensitized to that thing. It is off the front page news already. We're talking about politics. Nobody's thinking about how, how the, the spirit of the living God has been offended and grieved because 26 lives were dispatched by evil. Nobody's talking about that. All we're talking about is who won in the primary. Okay. I'm telling you, God is not mocked, church. <laughs> Whew, man, okay. Let me move on. Church, the text says that his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? He's speaking like rhetorically like, like you really think you're about to do this? You know? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. He told them again. Now, he didn't get the revelation from the first time like, hey, I don't want to talk to you like that. You ever had somebody come in there and, and they got so much good going in, uh, on in their life, and they're like, and it seemed like they come and you tell them, and you are at your lowest? Ever wanted to be like, so? Oh, I know everybody's so saved in here. Okay, yeah, all right. No, I have. I'm telling you. And, and, and more recently than I would like to admit, amen. Not in the last couple years, but you know, amen. <laughs> but he said, listen, he said, I, ha I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Like, who you think you is, Jesus? Like, but that's, that's basically how he's talking, right? When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his fathers rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Like, who are you? Who are you? You know? Who are you? Amen? Praise chapel. Get this. The second thing we have to recognize is this, is that people will question you about your dream until you begin to question it yourself. Yeah, see? <laughs> they will talk you out of the vision that God gave you until you start talking yourself, and they don't necessarily have to do anything or say anything anymore. It's already in your head. Mm. Anybody tell you that you were called to the ministry? You say, I'm going to start going back to church. I'm going to become an usher. I'm going to get involved in ministry. I'm going to get back there in the, in, the, in the Rise Up Cafe. And somebody said to you, like, why are you trying to do that? You know? You know, we ain't, we ain't, got, we ain't got the money for that. You know? Let me tell you, I told my wife this early on, and I feel comfortable saying this. I said, I love you. I love you, but I love God more. I love God more. Are you okay with that? Because there's going to come a time that God is, you know, that, that God will have me do something. Are you okay with that? And if I would have thought, I'm going to be honest, if I would have thought that, that, that she would have she acted a certain type of way, I don't think we would have been married. It's not to, you know... It's just the truth. You have to be careful who you align yourself with. They'll question everything you say that God has called you to do until you start questioning yourself. You no longer have confidence in the very thing that God has spoke to you. And that's grieving. That's a grieving thing when you no longer know that you know that God has spoken to you. Because somebody was sent to disrupt God's voice in your life. I sense that there's some people in here tonight that God is trying to draw closer. But you have other people in your ear talking to you about how that thing should go.
Let me tell you something. They're not God. If God wanted to shut their lights out today, right now, he would do it. Let me tell you something. Despite popular opinion, I know we got this thing in the, in, in the world right now where we think because of so many bad things that are happening that God isn't, isn't alive. Oh, no, no. The devil is a liar. God is alive. His word is alive in earth. Trust and believe. That's obvious. Look what's going on. Perilous times will come. It's happening. You know? But let me tell you, you got to get away from folks that start, start questioning everything you do when it comes to God, when they're not God. Hmm. Praise Chapel. The text shows us that Joseph was a young man. He was 17. He was young. He was a young man sharing a powerful dream. He had a dream. Now, he wasn't walking in wisdom, but he did have a dream with people who questioned his authority. He was just a young man trying to figure it out. And let me say this. Part of gaining wisdom is discerning what you tell people about your journey. And you know, this is something that I, that I recognize, Pastor, Pastor Art. Um, I understand now why pastors don't tell everybody everything. I'm starting to understand. I really am. I understand why you make us wait at the, at the new year for, the, for our new banner, you know? Because I'm pretty sure there would be somebody somewhere that would be like, why are we doing that? <laughs> I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case, but it could happen, you know? But I get it now. I, I do. I, you know, at first I'm like, why are we just can't know, you know? But now I understand. I get it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm like a little kid. I'm like, well, you can't just tell me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> why you was, but I, I, I honestly understand why you don't, you don't say anything anymore. Because there's somebody that would either directly or indirectly start questioning that thing until they started sowing a seed that was discourse. They would start developing spiritual discourse in the house of God when God has spoke to the man of God and said, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Yeah, see, you know, my grandfather had a say in church. He used to say all the time, boy, not everybody's your friend. That's all he would say. He'd say, hey, boy, not everybody's your friend. But let me tell you something. He ain't never lied about that thing. Not everybody is your friend. I'm going to be honest tonight. Can I just keep it real? As 100 as we like to say, I try to be very careful what I tell people when it comes to the calling on my life. And some of you that know me know that. I don't share everything with everybody. It's not that I think I'm better, because I'm not. I'm not better. I just recognize that I'm close now. <laughs> and when you start getting close, and you start stepping into your destiny, Satan will use people who will begin to question you about the very thing God called you to. That's why I'm like that. Early on, I had to learn when I was in ministry, when I was, when I was a babe in Christ, you couldn't tell everybody everything. Because if you did, they would, they would twist it. I remember, I remember when I first started feeling like God was calling me to preach, I said it to somebody in the church and it went and told the pastor. And the, and, and the pastor, he, uh, he came to me and was like, I didn't see that on your life. That's what he said. I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he said it. Amen. <laughs> you know? They will sow a seed until it has infested our minds and in our spirits. And I've come to the conclusion that not everyone is going to like me in life. Not everybody's going to like us. I know there's some people that don't like me. Some people at work that absolutely do not like me. I'll be honest, I'm very quiet at work. I don't say much. Rarely say anything. Very, very quiet. <laughs> but there's somebody that just, I know, that just absolutely does not like me. Can I tell you something? I don't care. I don't care. I'm good. I've worked that thing out a long time ago. You have to work that thing out. Let me, let me, as long as I'm in fellowship with God and my brothers and sisters in Christ and my family, amen, that the first ministry to, that I'm being the, uh, the priest of my home and God is pleased, I don't care. <laughs> you know? You know, we listen to the stories of Pastor Art. I'm sure there's somebody that, that is probably offended in their soul that he, 
that he's a Christian. He may not even say anything, you know. They don't really have a, a reason, but I'm sure he's worked that out by now. Somebody told me a long time ago, when you want a pastor, you have to learn that there are going to be some people that love you and absolutely hate your guts. And sometimes the lines are a little blurry. <laughs> Amen. And so as I'm, as I'm watching the life of our leaders, you know, I'm learning that you have to be strong in the faith. Because people will try you and you have, no, you have no reason as to understand why. You have no reason to understand why. But that's okay. And I suspect that's a part of maturing, church. We have to mature. You see, part of maturing in God is saying, I'm going to talk about my dream or my vision with the one who knows and who has the best interest in regards to my vision, and that's God. That's the Lord, church. People don't always mean us harm, amen, but I know this. <clears throat> hurt people often hurt other people. Hurt folks hurt other folks. I've used this analogy before, and I'll use it again. The church is the only place that kills its wounded soldiers. Why is that? I'm not saying that applies to every church. I believe we have a loving church. But some of the greatest hurt that we'll experience in our lives are right in the church. Why is that? What is it about the church that lends itself to that type of trauma that people go through? It's quiet tonight. Have we been a part of that? If we have, we need to repent. I'm not calling nobody out. I'm just telling, I'm just, it's just, it's a fact because you, let me tell you something. God is looking for a church without spot and wrinkle. I'm not going to hoop and holler tonight, church. I'm just, uh, this is just the vein I'm in, but I will tell you something. I just strongly believe that, that as things are speeding up now and we're seeing so much in the earth, we have to get to a point now where we are taking care of business at home. And it starts with how we treat each other. I mean, how many times do our, does our leadership have to tell us over and over again to get with somebody, to love on folks? Yeah, I'm saying that just because it's the, it's the Pentecostal thing to do, amen? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that. They're saying it because they see the time is wrapping up too. Okay. They don't always mean us harm, church, but I know this, like I said, hurt people hurt other people. The enemy would like nothing more than to cut us off from our dream. Have you ever been cut off from your dream? Somebody cut you off at the root? You share something with somebody, and it seemed like the life got just punched out of you in that moment. Because let me tell you something. The enemy can disrupt our dream, church. He can delay or, in some cases, alter our destiny. God has the final say. The enemy is crafty. He uses the mind. And the mind is a difficult thing to get over when we've been destroyed spiritually. It's a difficult thing. I want to encourage some people tonight who have absolutely had their dreams shattered. God would say to you tonight, pick that thing back up and run with it. You have to run with the vision. You have to write your vision down and make it plain, but you have to run with the vision. Bible declares that we are to be sober and vigilant <laughs> uh, because we have an adversary like a roaring lion. He's prowling around church, looking to devour our dreams, our destinies, our visions. That's what he's looking to do. That's why it says to be alert. You got to be alert of those people that are walking around like roaring lions. As soon as you say something, they try to pounce on it. I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I don't know, I wasn't here when Pastor Art, Pastor Maria and them moved out here, but I'm pretty sure they were careful about who they told that to. Is that safe to say? Yeah. I understand, you know, because perhaps maybe somebody, maybe not in a mean way, would have tried to, are you sure God is calling you to Vegas? You know, there's a, there's a nice area in, in, in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, amen? <laughs> it had two members, them and... and you know, they're kids, amen? And that would have been fine, but, but God wasn't saying that. God was saying for Vegas. Aren't you thankful that they came here? 
<laughs> a lot of us, where would we be if we didn't have this space to come and worship? Amen. <laughs> He's crafty. The enemy is crafty because he will use people that are close to us or who we think have our best interest. You know, like I told you before, that pastor, uh, when, I was, when I was coming up, um, he tried to, for whatever reason, I don't know what it was that he had against me because I, I wasn't walking around like I was called. I just said, I think maybe God might be calling me to, to preach. And I was really looking for guidance in that moment. I wasn't looking to try to go out and preach. But I wanted someone to affirm that thing in me that I thought God was saying. But the opposite happened. I was discouraged. I was told, you're not called until God shows me first. That's what they said. But I tell you, the devil is a liar. I'm standing here, ain't I? <laughs> and I don't have anything. I'm not going to speak negatively against leadership. I don't do that. Uh, but I will tell you that. I will tell you that I believe, and this is just my personal opinion, I believe he did that because he saw something on my life that I couldn't see and that I was not spiritually mature enough to protect do you have anything in your life that you know you need to protect that God has shown you? Can I offer you a perspective tonight? If you really want to protect that thing, you need to ask God for wisdom. Wisdom what to say and what not to say. You know, my mom had to let me know early on, you know, she's been saved for many, many, many years. And she said, boy, you talk too much. Shut up. Well, that's what she said. When I first got saved, she's like, you're telling everybody everything. Shut your mouth. Because ain't none of them God. That's some, that's some real simple advice, wasn't it? Shut your mouth. I'm not saying shut up to y'all. That's what she was saying to me. Shut your mouth. You talk too much. You around your friends and you're telling them this, that, and the other, and you're talking about what you believe God is calling you to do. And then when it doesn't happen, then what? You got to tell your left hand what to, you don't have to let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. That's what, so the old folks will say, amen. They say that all the time. Don't let, you don't got to say everything. Some things are just left under the, uh, under the blood of Jesus Christ. Leave it there. Even our destiny and our dreams. Because there are dream killers out there, church. I want to encourage you tonight to pick that dream back up. Some of you have businesses that God has spoken to you. Some of you have, uh, have been called to go back to school. Some of you, uh, God wants to, to use in ministry and, and, and travel you around. But be careful who you tell that to. <laughs> Got to be careful who you tell that to. Because you could look up and tell the wrong person, and they speak something into your life, and you go a whole nother direction. God then called you to, to go be a missionary, and then you in nursing school. Amen. Amen. God told you to go down the 15. He didn't even went to, to the 215. Amen. It's quiet tonight, man. It's quiet. But that's okay. You know, yeah, it's a tough crowd tonight, but that's all right. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm okay. Because I reconciled with my call a long time ago. You know, and this ain't really about me. Use my life as an example. Can I speak to you tonight? I probably would have been a lot farther along in certain areas, certain areas, not, not, not everything. God has a, an appointed time for everything. But I was too busy trying to please everyone and tell everybody everything early on. And I was going like this for a long time. That's all I was doing, going from one place to the next. Wasn't stable-minded. God had to get a hold of me. The best thing that happened to me in my life, can I tell you, was in 2012. I moved to North Carolina, and I was isolated from my family and my friends. That was the worst year of my life from a social aspect. But it was the best year of my life spiritually. You know why? Because I had to learn how to deal with pain. I, learned, I had to learn how to go through as an adult spiritually. I had learned how to live out on the world for years. I was out of the house at 18, and I never went back. But I hadn't learned how to grow spiritually and to maintain myself spiritually like I thought I did. Uh, but when things start hitting your life, that's when you really, really, really find out who we really are. 
I suddenly couldn't find my dreams anymore. My dreams and my visions and my destinies, all the things that, that God has spoken to me, I couldn't see them anymore. But God had to get a hold of me in the midnight hour. Let me tell you something. Don't, don't you know God can get you in a place where all you can do is just look up and say, oh, Jesus. That's all you can do. <laughs> you know? That's what's going to happen for some of us because some of us are listening to other people instead of listening to God. I would invite you tonight, if you're doing that, or if you know someone that's doing that, tell them to grab on to God. It's best to stay with the Lord, isn't it? Come on, let's give God some praise. Come on. I'm not preaching long. I'm almost done. <clears throat> Church, Joseph had to learn the hard way, didn't he? The text says that he was cast down into a pit and sold into slavery and imprisoned. He went through some unimaginable things. Can you imagine that your own family sold you down the river just because you gave them a dream that you had? <laughs> but wouldn't you know that it was the dream of another that saved his life and elevated him? The most unlikeliest of places, church. Genesis 41 lets us know that while Joseph was in prison, Pharaoh sent for him, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. He was in the pit. He had nowhere he could go. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. This is what Joseph said. I cannot do it. That's what he said. Joseph replied that to Pharaoh. But God, somebody say God. God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. <clears throat> Look at this church. Joseph recognized that not only God could interpret Pharaoh's dream, and yet and still, Pharaoh recognized that Joseph was a dreamer. He was humble enough to say, I can't interpret your dream, but he saw something in him. Church, this is the last thing. True dreamers respect other dreamers. True dreamers, yeah, they respect other dreamers. You see, what we have to understand is that Pharaoh was more powerful than our basic comprehension. He was a very powerful figure years and years ago. He really didn't need Joseph. He had plenty of people, plenty of priests around him to try to interpret that dream. But something connected the two. Dreamers are, attra are attracted or attached to other dreamers, church. A true dreamer is not interested in killing other people's dreams. Wouldn't you agree? That's what they're not interested in. Now, you see... A true dreamer wants to be around other dreamers. Pharaoh desired to be around Joseph. He sent for him, the Bible says. And as Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, guess what? He gained favor. <laughs> the Bible declares that he gained favor, and Pharaoh ele elevated him. Joseph was a dreamer, church. His dreams became a reality. You know what Pharaoh said to him in the next part of that text? He said, see... Haven't I made you ruler over all of Egypt? My God. Because Joseph had a dream. He didn't know how far that dream would take him. That dream took him in the pit. It took him all the way up there with Pharaoh. Can I tell you something about Joseph that some of us need to hold on to tonight? Joseph held on to his dream. Have you held night church? Have you held on to your dream? Joseph was a dreamer. He was a true dreamer. We have to hold on to our dreams. We have to hold on to them, church. You know, having a daughter, I, I can't help but think one day she's going to come to me with dreams. I don't want her to have to go through what I went through as a child. I want to be able to speak life into her, into her dreams. Now, there are some things that, that, that we want and desire that God has another direction, but but that's for, for God to work that thing out in us, not for us to strip people by what we say to them. That's not the mind and the heart of God. God operates differently. He's so gentle with us. It's quiet tonight. Do you have a dream, church? You got to hold on to it if you do. Even though our dreams... Amen, can be a threat to others. And even though people will question us about our dreams, as we saw in the text and as we've seen in our own lives, watch this, true dreamers reach out to one another. True dreamers hold on when things look awful. 
Joseph would eventually recover. He had to hold on to his dream. He was wiser after all of that. He went a long way from when he was with his brothers to when he was in that pit to when he was a pharaoh. Can I tell you something? His brothers later on in the text had to meet him. And they saw that God had, they, they saw that God had still been with Joseph. But can I tell you something? Joseph walked in humility. He walked in humility in that moment, church. Some of us have been through some stuff here as of late. I don't have to see, I don't have to know it. This is what the Lord is speaking tonight. We have to hold on to our dreams. I know we've been through some stuff, church. We're going through some stuff. Our leaders have prophesied that we were going to go through a little bit in this season. But can I tell you something? Can you dream again? Can you dream again, church? Come on, give God some praise. I'm done.